Wrestle Connection Podcast Network. Welcome to the biggest snooze fest podcast in wrestling today. At least so we're told. Uh, this is the Wrestling Warzone, a Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective series. I'm JT. Joining me as Eva is my partner, Chad. Chad, how are you? I'll tell you what, the last couple of podcasts, I've just found myself not smiling as much as I used to. Tell me a lie. <laughs> Anyway, here we are on this podcast. We are going through the history of the Monday Night Wars. We started in September of 95. We are finally in the promised land of 1997. We suffered through much of 96 to get here, but uh, business is picking up and we have a very big show ahead of us tonight. Uh, it is one of the rare instances where Nitro and Raw do not air on the same night. Nitro is from February 10th, 1997. And then we're going to cover Thursday, Raw Thursday, a very infamous episode of Raw from February 13th, 1997. Probably to date, do you think this is the most infamous, like to this point? Uh, Raw overall, or just one that wasn't on Monday? For Raw overall, to this point. Yeah, it's got to be up there, I would say. Like Maybe with like the kid beating Razor. Well, but that wasn't. I mean, you know, that only became infamous because of what happened. Like, I'd say this one going in had as much yeah, hype right. as maybe like Flair versus Perfect Loser, you know, Leaves Town, right. whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah I up. think it's probably up there. Um, all right. So what we've been doing recently is the live in, in the moment back and forth, mm-hmm. right? But obviously that's not the case tonight. Uh, so we're going to be starting with Nitro and then we'll do Raw um, since they don't air head to head. So uh, why don't you take us to Jacksonville, Chad, and uh, kick us off. All right. We don't get our opening this week. No, uh, no. We are in Jacksonville, as you just said. It did get the nameplate treatment. And, uh, you know, every, every, last last time NWO let us in on commentary, this time it's our traditional Tony and Larry. Um, and they start us off with the opening contest, Dean Malenko versus Eddie Guerrero. Not a bad uh, way to start the show. Not a bad way to start the show. They had a really good match on Saturday night that went to the time limit draw um, as well. So so this is a feud that we've seen bubbling up uh, the past couple weeks. Obviously, they have a longstanding history in ECW. So uh, let's talk about it here. Uh, before the match begins, Dean gets on the mic really quick. He tells Six he'll show him a wrestling lesson and a lesson of respect tonight, which – which Larry really loves. He loves mm-hmm. that. He's like, ah, all right. So <laughs> validation from Larry. <laughs> uh, the usual good good mat wrestling between these two is some reversals of a full Nelson, uh, multiple pin attempts. Uh, crowds into it. Crowds hot all night. We'll just say that up front. And they yes. uh, they really pop when uh, Eddie gives a Rana to Dean. Then they do this unique like leg lock that was intertwined between both of them and that mm-hmm. results in some pin attempts. You don't see that very often. It was, it was very, uh, Lucha Yave style. Um, very intricately kind of move that I, I popped for Dean goes for the cloverleaf. Eddie flips him over. Dean hits a nasty, uh, release German suplex to maintain the advantage. Uh, and then we head to our finish where Six comes out to ringside, does his usual spill where he steals a belt. He, this time he goes after the U.S. title. Which and he already smacks, smacks David Pinzer as well. <laughs> he already took that once. Um, Eddie spots him, jumps uh, to the outside, chases Six off. He uh, Six flees through the crowd, and Eddie Guerrero ends up getting counted out. So D. Malenko's your winner by count out. Um, and they do kind of an interesting kind of after the match where uh, Dean doesn't want his hand raised. 
Uh, they kind of slap hands, but both look sort of frustrated with the results. So, so to me, this still opened up a lot of like avenues for the feud to progress. You know, uh, kind of a finish with a non-finish, but but helped with that progression. Um, so, what we got was a really fun like five-minute match. I ended up going three stars. Yeah, I mean, it's a forever feud, right? These two guys, so they can be thrown together whenever. Um, a lot of reminders here. Piper's challenging Hogan a Super Bowl. Piper's going to be here tonight, so we hear about that. Um, so big stuff happening. And yeah, I mean, overall, I, I think you covered it. I think it was a pretty crisp battle. I, I feel like it was just getting heated up before they went to the finish. Um, but this is all about the storyline right now. Six is a pest. Um, but man, the crowd was into it, and it set the tone. Like It ended up being kind of a blue ball opener. <laughs> like if they, I think if they knew the crowd was going to be this hot, and into it, maybe they should just let him rip and say, okay, take five more or whatever. But I know that tied on the schedule, so it had to be what it was. But it's not often, like, in WCW at this time, you'll get a match that's, like, map-based with these guys and the crowd is all in. Like, think of some of the ones we've covered in the past. It's like, oh, the crowd was not appreciating what they're getting. This crowd did. So I ended up going two and three quarters. I mean, not far off from where you were, but it just felt like the appetizer to, like, what could have been, like, an awesome main course. Yeah. I, I It's tough because I know what's progressing with this feud and at least like i know we get long form matches later so that's cool uh i I also like this they didn't go to break Mm -hmm. so as they're like heading to the back ddp walks down he has a chair he sits down he uh has a microphone says you know it's pretty obvious that ddp has a big old bullseye in the middle of his forehead because of that he's got something to say tonight He's never <laughs> been accused of being the smartest guy, but he came out to make a statement. That statement is he's tired of running, and if something is going to happen, let it happen right now. Uh, so issues that out, and immediately here comes Macho Man and Sting from the crowd. Um, so, the, so they come down in the black and white. Crowd erupts for that. Uh, they get in the ring, and I thought this was a cool moment where Dallas is still sitting in the chair. They kind of pace around him. Yep. Uh, Savage has the belt, uh, bat, actually, and actually like bangs it up against the chair. Um, and then uh, when DDP gets up, Savage hands Sting the bat. He does his like push of the bat to DDP in the corner. He goes to swing. DDP ducks, and Sting like holds the bat up. Uh, Tony on commentary says that, you know, Dallas is standing tall. He's not backing down. Crowd's really behind Paige here. And then Paige is handed the bat as Sting and Macho Man turn their back. So I, I thought this was an awesome segment, actually. Like, not this, this showed like one, how over all three of these guys are, but that's yeah. a huge feather in the cap of Paige. Like, mm-hmm. I think this really validated his progression up to this point because, you know, he'd gotten good reactions to get one over the NWO, but here he is with Sting and Savage. These are two of the biggest wrestling stars in U.S. in the past 10 years, and he feels like he belongs and he's getting as good a reaction as them. Uh, So I thought this was, like, very important in his progression. It created a cool visual. It gave some progression. So I I really like this segment a lot. That was well done. It was cool to have Sting and Savage in a segment, not including the NWO as well. Um, And, yes, this continued validation for Paige. I mean, it's crazy to think it's only been, what, just about a month when Paige ditched the NWO. Was that the January 10th? 13th. 13th. So it's like, yeah, we're, we're exactly a month now. And it feels like more like that's how quickly he's come up here. 
um, to this level. Like it feels like it's been longer, but it's really just been those four weeks of TV plus the pay-per-view and the clash or whatever. But, um, you know, and it's a lot of mystery. Like at some point, where are we going with singing Savage? You figure Savage is more likely probably to get going at some point here. Um, but it seems like what they're doing is really testing the middle of WCW guys to see where they stand on each side. Right. So Paige has shown he's not willing to back down. He's going to stand tall and, you know, be a fighter for WCW. So they're, they're kind of putting that to the test. So yeah, this is a well done segment. Like you said, all three guys are just super over. Um, and we, uh, they go to commercial break. So a really long, like first segment of nitro, we come back with a complete filler match. It's Conan versus Bobby Eaton. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not much to say here. Conan gets some drop kicks. Eaton misses a charge, hits a few punches, but uh, Conan's right back on offense with a rolling clothesline, and then he hits the cradle plex for a win. This, this went like less than two minutes, so I just want a star. Yeah, me too. I mean, there was a couple of mistimed spots, but whatever. Like you said, they were rushing, so it is what it is. Um, I wonder if the Savage thing went long. Like, it feels like possible. Uh, you know, Larry in here talks about how P- if Piper wins the world title, it's going to change his life and his family. Like, and that's that's part of the story, right? So far with Piper about where he's been, where he's going. Like, does he really want this match? Does he really want to win the world title and be an active competitor again? That's something he's got to think about. Uh, Conan also has new music, um, mm-hmm. kind of the the hip hop music now, and see, the no dungeon presence either. So I don't know if he's still affiliated or not, but he seems to be separating a bit, at least. Yeah, more he he was so like vocal. The last week saying like he was going to take care of dungeon business and, you know, wanting to fight Benoit. But yeah, this week, no, it not even Jimmy Hart came out with him. So I don't yeah, know. completely separate. Uh, we get some footage shown of like Sluger being laid out by the outsiders last week. Um, and we go to our next match, which is supposed to be Ron Powers versus Lex Sluger. Uh, so Lex Luger comes out for his match. He has a big cast on his uh, hand and wrist. It's almost comical. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, Bischoff runs out. He asks about the cast. Luger says, it's like the NFL. He's casted up and ready to go. <laughs> go. Uh, it's where Eric, the big boys play, Luger says. Yes, uh, Eric says this isn't the NFL. And he isn't Paul Tagliabue, which Tony says no kidding on commentary. <laughs> Uh, he has a responsibility to these fans and wrestlers. So unless he has a doctor's release, he isn't wrestling Lugers. You know, you can't do this. And Eric's just a, a very swarmy freak mm-hmm. throughout this saying, no, no, no. Not only I can I, I will. Uh, Eric has a plane to catch. So unless he gets his release soon by the end of the night, he can forget about Super Brawl too because he'll be out of commission for four to six weeks. And if he forces it and tries to wrestle, he will be fired. Uh, Eric says one of the hardest things of being a part of a wrestling organization is that he has to take responsibility uh, for these wrestlers. So Luger kind of stalks off all angry. And while Eric's talking about this, uh, the giant walks out. Uh, Eric has his back to the entrance. So the crowd starts cheering. Uh, Eric, in a funny moment, kind of raises his hand, says, thank you very much. Yeah, that's are for him. Uh, but the Giants there, he scares Eric away, and he uh, takes Luger's place in this match. So, uh, I mean, the match is what it is, but what do you think about this pre-kind of? Yeah, that was good, too. I mean, it's Bischoff at his smarmy best, like you said. You know, Luger showing that he's willing to fight with a cast, doesn't give a shit. Like, he'll go in the ring with a broken hand, do what it's got to do. It's a different kind of story, too. I like it. Bischoff continues to flex his power. I mean, we, we know where it's headed, but I like that they're really – 
I don't think I'd realize just how many seeds they'd sown with all of this stuff, just how abusive he's getting to explain where things are going to head and what they do to check that power finally. Right. Um, so I like that aspect of it. He keeps finding different ways to abuse it. Like he says, I'm heading out of the country. You have until tonight. He also says, uh, yeah, you're going to be out four to six weeks. I know all about medicine. <laughs> so uh, trying to show he's a, a big know-it-all. But And I like this too because we're continuing to build a relationship between the Giant and Luger. Luger's welcome Giant back home. And now Giant's standing up for him, takes his spot and destroys Rob Powers, as we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, so uh, Giant goes in, cleans houses as a squash rim. He catches a boot, sends uh, Powers down with a big clothesline, a big slam as well. Larry has a weird uh, line on commentary where he says, this is like Charles Schwab looking over your savings account. (laughs) Um, And then uh, very quickly, Giant wins with the choke slam. You know, it was what it was, but I've 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 been enjoying these giant squashes. So mm-hmm. I mean, there's not much, uh, you know, length or substance to them, but they're entertaining enough. I want to start as well for this match. I want a half star, but yeah, same thing. Just a quick squash. It's well done. Giants on fire. He's welcomed back home, and now he talks to Mike today. Yeah, so we have uh, no Gene tonight. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he was. Where he was at the dog show, I guess. Um, Mike Tanay with the interview with the Giant. Uh, He asks about him dealing alone with Hall and Nash. Uh, Giant says, I'm not a regular man, but I'm a seven foot four fire breathing giant. He's not concerned with a partner because he has one, and that is Lex Luger. Lex Luger opened the door for him when no one else would because they were scared, intimidated, and couldn't trust the giant. Luger has the heart and intensity, and he wants to ask Lex one question. So out comes Lex, uh, gets in the ring. Giant says, after everything Hall and Nash have done, if you had the chance to go for the goal, would you ever let anything stop you? Luger looks around and <laughs> very like casually says, <laughs> No, I wouldn't. Um, Giant says, I thought you'd say that. If you were in my position, you wouldn't stop either. In February at San Francisco, when it's me alone in the ring as the victor, after he beats him, he's going to walk away with two belts. One of them is his, and one of them will be yours, Lex Luger. Uh, They pound fists, and that's it. So I I thought this was a good promo for Giant, and it kind of went full circle, you know, with them – you know, really starting to team up, and I, I enjoyed that. I, I I thought like, I mean, from Luger's stuff with Sting, like this is kind of validation that like the giant of all people is the one person that like is trusting likes Luger, mm-hmm. and uh, has his back through everything he's been through. So I I like this duo. I I didn't recall these two being uh, buddies as much as they have yeah. been, but I've enjoyed it. No, me too. I think it. Luger has embraced being the leader of the WCW side. We've talked about like how long can they hold him off from kind of really going and being the guy that they get behind. But instead now he's like the guy bringing giant eggs. He knows they need the resources. And he even says it, right? He had said it before. Like I, they gave me a chance to come back to WCW. I'm not going to be the guy that doesn't give someone else a chance. Um, I like, like it was a good bonding moment where giants like you welcomed me home. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to go win the tag titles on my own. And they're going to be for us. So I liked the approach of it. It was a really good promo and continued bonding for these two dudes that are, at this point, really, them with DDP are kind of the driving forces and, yeah. and Piper, but Piper continues to say he's out for himself. So right. these three, DDP, Luger, and Giant, are really kind of the top three dogs defending WCW right now. Yeah, that's that's been an interesting shift because um, initially in the summer when everything was happening, 
Uh, I mean, still Savage was up in play for Team WCW, and and I think the biggest shift's been with the Horsemen actually, because they were really calling out the NWO for a while, and uh, now they're pretty much strictly concerned with Sullivan and right. uh, and Jeff Jarrett is their main concern. Yeah. So uh, it's it's cool. Uh, we get our NWO Hollywood Rules shirt promo. This is an iconic shirt. I love yes. this shirt. A uh, great one, 22 bucks plus $5.95 shipping and handling. Also coming out of Warwick, Rhode Island. Whatever that t-shirt warehouse they got going on in, in Warwick. So <laughs> There you go. Uh, on WCW Saturday night this week, Jeff Jarrett's in action, Chris Benoit's in action, and Eddie Guerrero versus Conan for the U.S. title. Uh, when we come back from break, a limo arrives in the back. Our uh, NWO contingent here is Bubba. Big brother, Hall, Nash, and Six is uh, back. He's, he's with Great them. Yeah. yeah. Hall says they're in their gear because they're the working man champions in Jacksonville. Uh, Bubba steps up to the plate because uh, Paige had kind of opened that open challenge to anybody, and he says he'll take Dallas Page out in San Francisco. Uh, he'll make him squeal like a pig. Um, and, uh, and then Nash kind of says, all right, good job. But then he says, make sure there's a lot of tonic in the limo for the ride-off. <laughs> so it was a we, weird presentation of Bubba. Like, he was kind of rambling. He felt like a nuisance to the, the kings at the end of yeah. the hour. Like, all right, whatever. Like, yeah, I, sure I think this, you know, like Vincent has been treated kind of like the lackey. Yeah. But. Yeah. To me, this was like the biggest divide we've seen outwardly, like on screen of uh, the A versus the B squad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they basically are like, he's rambling on. I'm going to do that. I'm going to take on DDP the Bay for you. I'm going to be like, all right, all right, get the tonic in the limo. We'll see you later. Like, Thank Nash you. couldn't give a shit less about what he was saying at all. No, it's no. like they have no faith in him either. Like, oh, yeah, sure. You're going to be DDP. Mm. All right, buddy. <laughs> like, I don't think they even had any faith at all that he could go in and win on the paper. Right. So. Yeah, it was definitely a weird, a weird presentation of Bubba. Like, I don't know. Like, it feels like he's supposed to be a little bit higher on the pecking order um, yeah. than how they present him here. Yeah, he feels a little in between, but he was definitely like job squad here. Yeah. <laughs> um, they want uh, nothing to do with him. One, one interesting thing we've seen nothing of Buff since the Scotty Riggs debacle. It's so no. I know. Yeah, that. I don't know where he's been. Oh, well, like, no, didn't they say he was going to Japan? Yeah, they did. Yeah, but so I guess maybe he's still there. Extended tour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah extended tour. Uh, maybe it's like for a month or whatever. Yeah, like a, a I need excursion. to look at cage match because that's right. They did say that. I, I was thinking yeah. he might have been a little bit in the doghouse, but yeah. Yeah, he's probably on an excursion for a month yeah. or something. We'll see if he's uh, <laughs> our, our tag match is uh, high voltage versus the Steiners. Uh, backstage, we get a Steiner interviewed for the lockers. Uh, they say they're the Best team in the world. They're in a four-corner match because they got to start at the bottom and work their way back up. Rick says in the dog pound, there isn't winners and losers, only survivors. So there we go. Uh, when they come back, Larry says they aren't brain surgeons. So <laughs> uh, Tony gives us some clarification and says the four-corner match they're referencing is a match at Super Brawl which is going to be the Steiner brothers, the Faces of Fear, Harlem Heat, and Public Enemy in a number one contendership matchup. Yeah, so Kind of the B tier of the tag division below the Outsiders and Luger and Giant mm -hmm. now. Steiners feel like they're bridging the gap, like they feel too good for that match. You would assume they'll go in and 
win there, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, the depth is good in the tag division. Like, we keep talking about it. Like, they're still on point in that division. Like, they've been that way for at least a year now. Right. Uh, so Spiders came back. What, what was that, March 96? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, around there. Uh, so Scott throws uh, Robbie Rage, and then uh, we see Harlem Heat are kind of ringside watching. Uh, Rage clips the knee of Scott, which looks nasty, but then Scott catches him off the top rope into a belly-to-belly. Big power slam by Scott. Uh, Faces of Fear and Public Enemy are also out. Public Enemy, they were just, like, saying nonsense. Like, you could, like what they were saying made no sense. Uh, Tony says this is an intimidation. It's not really... You know, they could watch it on the monitor in the back, but they're mm-hmm. out here for an intimidation tactic. Naturally. Uh, yeah, Rick and Kenny Chaos are in the ring now. Rick gets a power slam on him. Uh, we also hear Malenko versus Six is official for Super Brawl. Chaos ends up in the tree of row, and uh, Scott chokes him and kicks him. Robbie clips Scott running the ropes, but gets in and gets inverted atomic dropped. Rick comes in for the clothesline. Uh, Rage does a pretty cool like springboard somersault and Rick edges them in a power bomb. Um, and then they hit the doomsday bulldog to uh, win it for the Steiner. So, you know, a, a, a very spot heavy match, but yeah. um, pretty fun Steiner showcase, I would say. I thought, uh, you know, high voltage actually hung with them and for. I mean, they're they're below B, they're C or D level, but that that I think helps too. Like this is a a lower yeah. level team that you can put them in there, and uh, to me, it's a more entertaining match than most of like the Godwin matches. Oh yeah, or whatever. So two and a quarter. Yep, same for me. Yeah, they're fine for this stuff. Like right here to put over the Steiners, but have a quality TV match that has some energy and excitement because they're young and they can move around. Uh, pretty much a showcase for the Steiners. They're trying to get back to the championships, like we talked about. Um, but that finish was really cool, where he catches them into the power bomb. Mm-hmm. Tony also says we've never had a four way like this, so we're going to get rules soon. So we'll await <laughs> the rules for the big four way. But uh, yeah, fine showcase for the Steiners as they work their way back up. Uh, next is one of my favorite segments in all of the Nitro run. Uh, so the NWO music starts up. Out comes the Outsiders, Six, Bischoff, and Nick Patrick. Tony and Larry give up the booth. Well, first, uh, they were talking about the big Jaguar season, by the way. That was their, their big topic du jour before the NWO come out. Of course, they had just made the AFC Championship game in their second yeah. year, right? So, yeah, big deal. Uh, Larry Jaws at Hall. He's getting a little bit more feisty mm-hmm. here. Um, but uh, eventually they give up the commentary booth. Varick sits down, says we've got a memo from Randy Anderson that he wanted to talk to him. Uh, so come on out, Randy Anderson. And out comes Randy Anderson, hand in hand with his two kids and his wife trailing behind him. And uh, as soon as the NWO sees him with the uh, with hand in hand with the kids. It's hilarious. Oh, like all of them are just like clowning on them. Uh, uh, Hall, Hall immediately calls him an inbred redneck. Yeah, Nash says, Mom and the babies. <laughs> <laughs> Eric says, What oh, is this family feud? Oh, so, so <laughs> it's so, such a such dicks. Uh, so, so Randy gets the microphone, and you know, I mean, I'm not going to shame anybody else for their southern accent certainly but he definitely has one of the most pronounced southern accents you'll hear uh and he says i you fired him and he wanted to bring his wife and children out here to see the pain he caused 
while he's doing this, Six acts like he's playing a violin, uh, which is such a great clowning moment. Uh, Nash says, hey, these guys are pretty well dressed. What are you paying these guys? <laughs> Like with the kids and the wife and everything. Uh, Randy introduces his kids. Well, and that Nash goes for a little more money, you could get the real ostrich boots. Yes, the real ostrich style boots. Uh, Randy introduces the name as Chase and Montana. Eric, you know, I love that name, Montana, yeah, by the way, which he lives there now, right? Or while yeah. you're where, yeah. Uh, so he pushes the kids forward, you know, and Randy's like reluctant. He's like, This is my family and all this stuff. Uh, and then, and Probably one of Eric's best, like, heel moments of all time. He gets in the kid's face, and he says, will you please tell your daddy that he's still fired? <laughs> the NWO just laughs uproariously at him. Um, Hull and Nash are just laughing hilariously at that. Uh, Montana says, please, Mr. Bischoff. <laughs> Nash says, do it for a little tiny tip. <laughs> Um, Eric says, uh, you know, like, like Randy Anderson's going on and stuff like that about his, you know, cancer, his family, etc. Eric says, everyone has responsibilities. You have to learn to deal with <laughs> adversity. Uh, but if he wants his job back, he says he has to prove it. Uh, he wants to, to show that he has the heart, you know, Bischoff has a heart and he's going to give a level playing field. Uh, so if Randy Anderson wants his job back, he has to get in the ring with Nick Patrick. And uh, Nash says, hey, he's undefeated, <laughs> talking about <laughs> Nick Patrick versus Chris Jericho. Uh, then Randy Anderson defers to his wife. The wife says, no, it's crazy. You know what the doctors have told you, at which uh, Hall immediately says, you know who wears the pants in that family <laughs> about that. And uh, and then Patrick on the stage says, "Don't you want to see Daddy in a real fight?" Oh, but he says it like, "Is he, is he reminded me of like uh, Home Alone, where like Marv and Harry are talking to, you know, Santa Claus doesn't visit the, the hospital, little guy. Like he's like, don't the kiddies want to see Daddy in a real fight?" <laughs> uh, so. So Randy eventually says, I'll wrestle cancer and beat it, so I will wrestle you. you put me in a corner, Mr. Bischoff. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, we have our big match next week for Nitro. Randy Anderson versus Nick Patrick uh, for Randy Anderson's to get his job back. But just, I mean, this oh, is heel NWO at their absolute best, like clowning on him. And Paul, as, as, as he's walking away, all goes, Tell you a story while you're walking out of here. And he goes, what a sad affair. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, it's as, it's as good of a segment. Like, Anderson is just a fucking sad sack. All like, right. this this family rolling out. Uh, there was a good line, too, Larry said early when he leaves. He goes, I'm happy to go get my room service early tonight. And he's like, yeah. oh, I don't need this shit. Um, the family feud line was fucking amazing. That was really good. Um, Nash, when he says how much you pay the refs, was awesome. Um, and then... Uh, the Bischoff saying like you got to learn how to deal with adversity. Yeah. That was really good. He tells him to get on with your life already. Move on. Um, yeah, just really, really good stuff. Just an amazing segment. I mean, Hall is like tailor made for just being the wise cracking dude in the background, just like providing little commentary on things going on. So like that's that was really well done. The whole thing's really well done. Right down to slimy Nick Patrick. <laughs> the kiddies want to see Daddy in a real fight. <laughs> 
Uh, what a segment. Uh, so now uh, Eric asks Hall and Nash if they want to wrestle. Hall, of course, says, hey, we're the working man's champion. Bring it on. Uh, Eric says they've uh, found one of the toughest team in the North American <laughs> continent, and they're here to face the outsiders. Uh, they are from – their name is The Extreme, and they are from Stanford, Connecticut, which Eric like, laughs at. Up Cracks up saying it. He also yeah. says they're the Eastern, Eastern Seaboard Seaboard. Champions. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so they come out to the Steve Austin music, of course, yep. stunning Steve Austin music. Uh, Eric says, hey, I don't want to do commentary alone. Do you want to join me? Ask Sabisco to come up. So Sabisco, says, Larry's, Larry's wearing black. Do you want to join me? Join yeah. me. Uh, so the extreme come out and the outsiders had kind of acted like they were going to the ring, but they stayed in the back. And then when the extreme come out, the outsiders attack them from behind with the belts. Uh, Eric is great on this match talking about how the outsiders are taking this match on short notice, like how much of a fighting champion they are. And I wonder if he knew what was going to happen with Sean at this moment, because it seemed to me like him going on and on about how much of a fighting champions they were. Right. was a little I don't bit know if that had leaked already. I, I yeah. It, well, and I mean, you got Paul and Nash here, so right. So maybe they knew it been was some up. inside or not. I mean, it, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, it go, it plays in like, it's right. not meta either. It plays right. into their own world, but it, it was just, the timing was kind of funny how much he belabors the point that they're, you know, they're taking a match on short notice and all this. Uh, Larry says he's only on commentary because he's a professional. He calls Nash a seven-foot-tall coward. Uh, Larry says they are definitely not worthy the extreme if they're from Stanford. <laughs> he's <laughs> crapping on them, too. Uh, so, Hall and Nash beat them up for like a minute, and then they tease the outsider's edge and jackknife to uh, finish them off. But instead, they use a, a torture rack and a choke slam to uh, simultaneously pin them. Uh, Nash's rack, by the way, was awful. <laughs> he oh, just like an inverted one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an inverted. I don't yeah. know. It, it seemed like he didn't know how to properly apply it. Um, I want to start an app. I mean, I don't know. Like for entertainment, it was highly entertainment. I don't know what you rank it, really. I went two stars. Um, yeah, I just it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, just, you know, pure squash and kick the shit out of him. Larry, give him Bischoff shit, Bischoff being smarmy. So it's, it's not part of what we've seen. Um, but it was good. I like the approach that they did and how they did it. Uh, six is on the house mic after after the match. Says it's another win for the outsiders. He wants a word after that tough contest. Says this is a Matt classic match of the year, four stars, <laughs> which is also very meta. Uh, Nash says these guys are unbelievable, and a few people would shut up your mouth. Uh, and open up the Webster Dictionary and looked up the word giant. It said goof, goon, and used in a sentence. It was you have a giant bowl, bowl <laughs> on your back. Uh, and then uh, he says, you continue being a giant. The outsiders will continue being too sweet. Uh, then Nat, uh, Hall gets on the microphone. He says, hey, yo, there's a little lesson in genetics, you big goof. Kevin Nash is also seven feet tall itself. He stopped at the cool <laughs> while you slid on past to the dork meter. Uh, he said that everybody knows a couple of Clydesdales can't outrun two thoroughbreds. And Nash says, we're sorry about your injury, Lex Luger. Don't spend so much time warming up. Uh, 
next time. So, so typical kind of clowning outsiders promo, but uh, also was well done. Yeah, no, I, I yep, yeah. it was perfect. Six right. calls out Malenko and, and Guerrero too, um, and then Larry tells Bischoff. Um, he could let Lex go without a release if he wants to, but Bischoff says we have to protect him. So yeah. I think the whole segment was very effective. I mean, you roll right from all the Anderson stuff right into this to the post-match promo. This was efficient use of the NWO to get them over as douchebag heels, uh, set the set them up for Luger and Giant or for Giant as Super Brawl, continue to push that feud, make them look badass, but also like douches. So I thought it was a real effective, efficient use of the NWO during this stretch. To close out hour one. Right. Second hour fires off. Uh, Tanae and Bobby are in the booth now. Tanae's asked about if it was a test for DDP, what we saw earlier. Uh, Tanae's wondering if it was a wake-up call for Dallas Page. Big weasel chant. Bobby says Bischoff isn't concerned for Luger's health, and he doesn't want him in the ring versus the outsider. So there we go. Uh, that leads us into our first match of hour number two. It's for the TV title. Rey Mysterio Jr., who we haven't seen in a while. He's back from kind of being banged up uh, versus Steven Regal. Regal jaws with the fans. He's really going after the fans. Um, commentary, a lot of talk about Pyro versus Hogan, the ramifications mm-hmm. there. Bobby says Hogan was embarrassed and can't live with that. That's why he took the match. Um, so I thought that was actually good work by Bobby, you know, showing yes. like why Hogan would – Except the matches that, you know, he was embarrassed one time. He has such an ego. He can't, you know, live with that. So he wants to get wants his win back. I mean, it's like we always hear about Hogan in the back backstage, right? He mm-hmm. wants to get his win back on this guy, on that guy. This is wants his win back. Yeah. So cool dynamic, I thought, in the opening of this match where Regal has a huge size advantage. Uh, so when they're like connected and integrated, touching each other, uh, Regal usually has the advantage. Ray has to use the speed to reverse things and counter that to get any of the advantage. And then Regal also has a lot of power moves. So he hits a backbreaker. He uh, does a strut. He uh, looks very nonchalant at the whole thing. Uh, Ray's able to catch him on the ropes and hits a quick springboard drop kick to a big pop. Ray also gets a close pin again. Uh, but Regal regains the advantage with your pin up cut again, like a powerful strike takes Ray down. Uh, Regal does one of my favorite poses where he's to the hard cam. He does his muscle and then he puffs it up, but he acts like he's like blowing it up to yeah, like yeah, inflatable. Yeah. Uh, always a funny one. Um, Bobby says tickets are going hot at Nitro when they run down shows coming up because Nitro is cool. So there we go. Uh, he then asked Tony if he got a bottle of wine and cigarettes with a shirt, like a pretty uh, ugly nitro shirt actually tony was wearing uh regal goes to the outside yeah, tony, able- tony to take a shot at bobby's polka dot tie um <laughs> and tony bobby says tony proves that wcw has no dress code <laughs> yeah. yeah uh regal is able to catch ray again uh pounds on him some more ray's able to get the rana and some penitips float over attempt and uh, regal's now really reeling um, and then we get the finish where the bell rings early on one of the pin attempts, and it's kind of fainted, like they caught it, but not quite enough. Uh, and Tony even has to mention, I think I heard a bell rung. Um, but then Ray gets another pin attempt, and there's a two count. And right before the three count, the bell does ring officially this time for the uh, TV time limit. 
Um, it, you know, they said 10 minutes and it only went about seven. Uh, but I, I thought this was a very fun TV match, you know, between these two. I thought it told a good story and it, it was a, like a good bridge for this episode. Like there wasn't, um, it, it's kind of one of those matches I've been missing a little bit in Nitro the past couple mm-hmm. weeks. Like, like it, this was a seven minute showcase match. It's not great, but when you look back on this Nitro, you can say, okay, yeah, that match was a lot of fun. So I went yeah. three stars. Yeah, I went three as well. It's a very good TV match. Uh, good chemistry between these two, which isn't always given with Regal when there's a Styles clash. But his selling was fantastic. Ray was was game for it. Really good mesh of styles. The crowd is engaged as they've been all night. We talked about that. It'd be fun if we do get a pay-per-view match with these guys. So we'll see if it, it heads there, given the finish. Um, and it's good to see Ray out of the Cruiser division as well, doing something different. So, yeah, three stars. So it was a good match. Our road report. Tampa. Dagalee is in Tampa. He's with Rhonda and Jessica at Jesse's. And all the talk is about next week's Nitro. Lee will be in Atlanta next week for a Nitro party. He invites everyone down to Jock and Jill's at CNN Center. Says he'll be with Atlanta's best. And Tony will be with Atlanta's pest. The new baseball team in Tampa is the Devil Rays. Because the Weasels were already taken. Bobby (laughs) Bobby says the difference between Lee and a canoe is that a canoe tips. (laughs) Which is funny. So there we go. Uh, so there you go. So. Our next match, uh, a debut. Maverick Wild <laughs> comes out to another infamous kind of WCW jobber to the stars. Is he, was he like a Northeast guy too? Yeah, he was. I don't get why they're pulling Northeast guys like down to Jacksonville. It's a weird, like the extreme and Maverick. Yeah, uh, they, had to, they had to be on the same plane from the eastern seaboard. <laughs> yeah, it came yeah, right I, don't the seaboard. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but he's facing Kevin Sullivan. Uh, Sullivan versus Benoit in a San Francisco death match is added to the card at Super Brawl, and uh, both Woman and Jacqueline will be strapped together as kind of an added bonus for that. Uh, Sullivan just beats the crap out of him. He throws him yeah, to Wild, the outside. Wild came out real excited just to get a yeah, shit pushed in. Yeah. Uh, so he throws him to the outside, and Jackie takes over, Miss Jacqueline. So she beats him up. Beats up Wild, sends him into the guardrail, clotheslines him to a nice pop, and uh, Bobby O'Commentary says she's tougher than the Taskmaster. <laughs> Tony is loving it on Oh, commentary. God, it's so good. He's, he's Bobby says she's like amazing. Mike Tyson. Yeah. Uh, so back outside again, a snapmare, and then Jacqueline gives the uh, body slam. Uh, Tony says, go down and raise her hand right now. Uh, Tony mentions also the Kiro Kudo should be watching this, the WCW Women's Champion. Um, and, I mean, Sullivan ends it very quickly with the tree of woe and the double stomp. That's so, she scratches his back to rub him up. Yeah, it gives him a little, <laughs> little massage to pep him up. Um, another really good squash, but uh, I, I thought this, again, was a good showcase for Jacqueline. Um mm-hmm. You know, she looked powerful. Yeah, Tony mentions it like this really kind of changes the game on what you think of like a valet and wrestling, um, which I thought was true and, and really something you hadn't seen very much of in WCW. You saw a little bit, I guess, with Sherry, but I, I thought this added a different facet to that. Uh, so, I mean, this was a productive squash star and a half. I went too. I, I mean, I thought it was great. Like, Sullivan kicking the shit out of him and then Jackie. Like, I, I liked the. The Tyson comparison seems crazy, like a crazy Bobby thing. But when he says it, the way it works is that it's like a spectacle. Like the crowd is fucking losing it. And it, it's so different to see her just destroying 
this guy like it's out of nowhere um that she like all of a sudden they have this like woman that's completely vicious i i liked it a lot um i i think it was really well done i think she's been presented fantastically it's you know this view i think was starting to run its course but this is like injected new life to it um so that has helped and i'm curious like you know i guess we're going to talk about it soon enough but like we have a woman debuting on the other show that's going to also mm-hmm. beat up men like was I mean was it just coincidence that like they both went that way at the same time? Yeah, I think we talked about that with you know the butler going away. We we asked like you know was that something that sort of jump started? Um, you know who who really pushed? Well, we know that Hunter pushed for China, um, but was it kind of accelerated because of you know Jackie's? Yeah, I think the timing was the timing. So I, it might just be a coincidence, honestly, that they both went this route. That had a it's woman interesting. There. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's like a week. It's like days apart that they have. You know, we have a woman debuting in each promotion with a guy, and that beats the shit out of um, men. So the dudes, yeah, yeah. Uh, now Sullivan gives one of his most inside baseball promos, mm-hmm. probably of all time here. Uh, so he gets on the mic, says he was laying on his bed alone at 11.20. I don't know if that holds any significance. <laughs> I, I didn't catch anything on that. Uh, second p- closest person in his life called him, Paulie, and asked how everything's going. Uh, the deal has gone south. You've worked too hard, led to lose this job. This is the number one watched cable program in the U.S., and he's a big part of it. Again, like kind of – right. Wink, wink. I'm also a book or two of it. Uh, no sides did he take. Paulie, that is. But he said, do your job. And what would your mentor, Jim Barnett, say to you? And then he would <laughs> would your tag team partner, Mark Lewin, say to you, one thing leads to another, but do your job. And then, uh, and then he says, don't wrap me up. Shut up. Like, I'm not done yet. What would King Curtis say to you? Do your job. Ben Wog, you asked me if she was really that pure. She lived with me for 12 years and picked up a lot of my bad habits. When you said I do on the lighthouse, you knew it wasn't going to be a bed of roses. Difference between people like Sullivan and Jacqueline and people like Ben Wong and Woman is they come from a community. We come from the neighborhood. Nancy, you've been bluffing people for 10 years saying you're tough. You never bit anyone's nose off. And San Francisco, she'll be whipped by the most important person in his life now. Uh, then Jimmy goes to talk to him and says, Taskmaster, Taskmaster. And he says, no, it's Kevin tonight. So corrects him. Kevin. That, that shuts Jimmy right up. So there we go. Uh, Jackie kind of repeats the neighborhood line, says that Benoit can't save you, Nancy. Uh, you had to survive and beat everybody in her neighborhood, man or woman. Um, so she kind of wraps up the promo there. She but, says uh, Kevin is the only person that could beat me. <laughs> like there was, yeah. seemed a little off. Um, yeah. yeah, the the whole thing about San Francisco, he, yeah, it, it's fine. He just gets really confusing at times. Where she, she tucks something under her skirt. She's incriminated if she reaches up. Like I don't, I didn't really follow any of that. Mm-hmm. What the fuck he meant, but um, either way, basically what he's saying is he's not going to quit. And Jacqueline's changed his life and going to help 
get rid of Benoit and Nancy and Paulie gave a pep talk, even though he respects Nancy. Paulie said that. Paulie, Paulie of all people. And, yeah, uh, it's quite a new, Well, again, the timing is funny because yeah. we're like a week out from yeah. Paulie calling up on Raw. So it's like, yeah. yep. you know, there's, crazy. there's a lot of uh, interesting kind of crossover. Yeah. So. Shows, so, but the way he says it too, like if you don't know, you don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I thought this. I mean, there was a lot of like veil, uh, veiled references, yeah. but it was it was okay. I think overall. Um, John Jerkovich, nose guard for the Jaguars. He's in attendance tonight. Um, Hugh Morris versus Doss Wonder. Oh, recap of the Piper angle. Yeah, so life. we almost get like the whole thing. Yeah, pretty much the whole thing. So I, I didn't. <laughs> You know, they talk over it, but nothing really new there. Uh, Hugh Morris versus Alex Wright. Decent action to start. Wright hits the big dive to the outside. Morris misses the dive in the corner. Wright kind of botches a springboard, and you hear some laughs in the crowd. Uh, but then they cover it up by going right to the finish where Morris hits the power bomb and the no laughing matter uh, to win here. You know, the three-minute match, not, not bad action. I've actually been higher on Hugh Morris the past couple weeks, so... Uh, I thought this was fine for what it was. This was a, a filler match all all the way, uh, starting three quarters. Yeah, I just went one star. I mean, with the botch, they, they salvage it okay. Uh, the finish is fine. Uh, Wright deserves better. I know they're running short on time, but he's he's a much better talent than losing, you know, two minutes to Hugh Morris. Yeah. Um, you know, Bobby makes an interesting point. It says Sullivan and Piper are both guys that don't care anymore, and that makes them dangerous. So, you know, I think that's salient by his uh, standard. Mm-hmm. Also. Um, no dungeon and uh no dungeon do music, no backup for Morris. So it's a weird night for the dungeon. They're all kind of split up. All over. Uh then we get what ends up being our kind of main event match of the night. Benoit and Mongo versus Chavo Guerrero Jr. and Jeff Jarrett. Uh, we hear the announcement from Tony that Uncensored is going to be in Charleston, South Carolina. Rick Flair will be at the ticket kickoff for that show. Uh, Chavo and Benoit start off. Jared gets tagged in. Benoit gets thrown into the buckle really hard. Uh, Jared struts to some booze. Irish whip and Mongo puts a knee in Jared's back. Power slam by Mongo. Um, but Jared's able to get the advantage on Benoit with a drop kick. Chavo's now in and firing away at Benoit. Um, and then uh, Jared goes to the outside and Deborah is kind of consoling him and touching his straps and. <laughs> like Tony's even like on commentary. I don't even want to describe this. He's kind of uncomfortable here. Uh, what's going on in the ring? Uh, Mongo hits the tombstone on Chavo Guerrero to get the win. Uh, Bobby on commentary says so much for La Bamba. So, of course, he gets that in. Um, you know, as a, as a match, again, I thought this was fine. It's, it's mostly advancement uh, for the Jarrett Mongo stuff, though. So I went two stars. Yeah, too, for me, more story than a match. Mongo's getting better with the quick hit offense when he comes in and hits his power moves. Um, you know, this whole tag team and angle has been a big come up for him in his development. Like, it's been an important part of what he's got going on. Jarrett's really feels like he's in some trouble uh, swirling. This, to me, had big jobber and Ronnie Garvin energy against, like, you know, demolition on superstars. <laughs> like, it was a weird presentation for Jarrett. I almost feel like he shouldn't have been in the match and maybe just came out or something, but... Um, him teaming with Chavo has been presented as kind of a nothing guy against two stars did not make it feel in any way like he was on the level with the horseman guys. 
so now out comes the horseman, Arn and Flair. Tanae does the interview in the ring. Arn says he has to be the voice of reason. That would mean he's a reasonable man, but that's an oxymoron. It's like someone saying they have the perfect marriage. It doesn't exist. If he saw something, he took it, and they didn't have to have a board meeting. Arn says Jeff Jarrett may have caught Deborah's eye, but the last guy that did that woke up six weeks with a flea collar around his neck wanting to know what happened. And then he moves on and uh, talking about Kevin Sullivan. He says they destroyed Sullivan's heart and spirit and everything else. The only thing left is to bury the body. Flair gets on the mic. He says the horsemen are in town. He mentions, you know, woman, oh, woman, won't you marry me now? And Queen Deborah. Uh, he reminds you whether you like it or not, learn to love it. So kind of hitting all his uh, high points. And that's it. Not much for Flair mm-hmm. this week. Uh, Benoit says, we've got the same personalities, Sullivan, and the same ideologies. What he tells him is from the heart. He can stick it. You want to play head games? You can do that. He's sick and tired of it all, and he alienated woman when they were together. Sullivan, you're playing a game you can't win. Uh, then we hear from Mongo, which we now know it's going to be Mongo versus Jeff Jarrett at Super Brawl as well. Uh, Mongo says he has two things. He mentions that the Jaguars lost. It says you ain't never getting a ring, you expansion wimps. Which, <laughs> hey, you know, right so far. Yeah, up to this point, <laughs> 26 years later, he's uh, still correct. Uh, he then asked Deborah what that was. He says, that man doesn't pay your charge card bills or let you ride around in a Rolls Royce. Deborah says she personally would love to see Jeff Jarrett as a horseman and wouldn't do anything to hurt you, Steve. She was so devastated by what happened last week that she couldn't even shop, which I thought was a great line. Uh, Mongo says, Jeff Jarrett, the only chance at Super Brawl is for San Francisco to have another earthquake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Deborah, of course, has to get in her kind of petty line by saying, you know, she doesn't want to gossip. Uh, but they used to call Kevin and Jack the, the uh, fast, hideous couple because uh, she, he's hideous and all that. So they get in their digs as they leave. So another United Horseman promo. This is kind of the same thing we've seen. Yeah, it's. I mean, God, these have been going on forever, like forever, yeah. every week. Um, Mongo's like out of control. Like that rambling was like Bubba earlier. He's like, the only chance you have in San Francisco is that you know we have another earthquake and its ground swallows me up. And then of course Jarrett deserves to win and be a horseman. God knows we need help with the NWO and Sullivan and Jack. It's like, what are you talking about? Do you want him in the horseman or not? Like he completely just lost the thread. Um, Jackie, I mean uh, Deborah is good as always, and Flair just seems so checked out. Like just he's out there just going through the motions, like. The whole thing was weird. Um, this Mongo was a very did. easy night for him, for Flair. Like, he basically did, like, a, he could add a voice recording of his promo. Yeah, nah, nothing. Nothing doing for him. <laughs> uh, we get that awful Super Bowl promo that we talked mm-hmm. about last week. Brick by brick, we're tearing apart the NWO. <laughs> it kind of looks like Aaron George when his hair gets all <laughs> messed up at the show. Um, crazy is a lunatic too like uh, him so there we go our main event segment is a Roddy Piper interview uh, so we get a split screen where we see Hogan in black and white he's in Hollywood 
Um, you know, not not bad with the split screen, but my god, like the nitro yeah. took up literally like almost seventy percent of the screen. Like, yeah, you can really see the guys. Uh, Piper says it's too much with him and Bischoff and Randy Anderson. Uh, he did not come here to talk to some goofball on a satellite. He came because last week Hogan said he wanted to fight. He made a promise. Hogan yawns while he said all this, which is a great, like, shit, dick move. Do you uh, think Hogan is actually live? Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. It's kind of hard to tell. Maybe. Uh, Piper then calls him a ball-headed geek. I think he might have been because Piper does call him a ball-headed geek right here, which Bobby goes, whoa, and, like, Hogan <laughs> straightens up when he does that. Like, it. You know, I'm kind of surprised that went through. If it, especially if like, you know, Piper's always kind of been the guy that has been like to get away with it. Mm -hmm. He says he had to break his promise to Colton. Piper Piper says his son said, "Go get him, Daddy." Hogan says, "Tell someone who cares." Uh, that gave Piper the license to kill, and you were dead. He's tired to go and get him, and couldn't get the job done before. He had to doctor up footage of him looking like he won. Uh, and then he says, What lie did you tell your kids in the world that you would retire and then you would attack people from behind? Talking about him and Bischoff, which is kind of funny because. I mean, technically, he did attack yeah, he did. Him from behind, so that's one of those like good like moments where Hogan's correct, but it's so delusional. Uh, Hogan says he just doesn't have time to drop his schedule and be there because Piper, you know, now wants to fight him. He couldn't get it done before, and two weeks from now, he'll have to defend the NWO title and beat him again, uh, and he won't be able to hit hit hide behind all six of his uh, kids and littles or whatever. Uh, WCW doesn't allow cowards to hide behind kids. Piper tells him to shut his big fat mouth. Uh, then we get an OJ Simpson. <laughs> Piper loves the OJ oh. trial. I feel like he references it more than anybody else. It's freaking Kato Cameron. And <laughs> Kato he Cameron. loves it. Piper. Uh, so he says, guilty or not, in San Francisco, they will say Piper is guilty and Hogan is finished, which doesn't even make sense. It was an awful line. And uh, the only difference between Hogan and Rodman is that he can't jump. So uh, also Piper loves dogging on Rodman. Um, so, I mean, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't think this was bad. I, I certainly didn't think it was as good as the week before. Um, but I, I thought it was fine. I, I you know, knowing what we get next week, this probably should have been it until the match. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought this was a good way enough to uh, finish yeah. this. His energy is awesome. I mean, he's like manic, and it's great. He's just all over the place and very confusing. Um, when you when you give him too much rope, it can go in weird directions. Hogan seemed a little bit off. Um, I think this the satellite timing was weird, made it weirder. Um, I like Piper when he told him to shut up the first time as Hogan starts to interrupt him the first time. He's like, shut up! And then he keeps talking. But yeah, other than that, you pretty much hit on it. We'll see. we got one more week to get us a Super Bowl. We'll see if they can keep it hot. And then, um, I'm curious how that match holds up. I mean, in my mind, yeah. it um, is nowhere near Starcade. So we'll see, yeah. if it, we'll see if that's still the case. But, uh, I, I mean, it was a very, very good Nitro. Um, so let's hit the awards real quick before we move yeah. to Raw. Uh, match of the night, I had Mysterio Regal. Yep. Uh, moment, we, I mean, it's the NWO torturing Randy Anderson. Mm -hmm. uh, I had Bischoff as MVP. Yeah, great night for him. 
Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, shots fired. We had you know Bischoff joking about the extremer from Stanford and Larry <laughs> saying they're not worthy. Yeah. Uh, Maverick Wild is our debut, right? I don't yep. think we had anything else. Road report was Tampa. The extreme used the Hollywood Blondes theme, mm-hmm. and I went eight out of ten. Yeah, a little, uh, just a smidge lower. I mean, I went seven and a half. It's a really good episode of Nitro. So, I mean, you have, you have kind of a, I mean, really, I, I didn't necessarily hate the two filler match, the real like filler matches like Wright versus Morris. And no, well, they were quick. Beat. It was like They're two so minutes. Quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I went, I went seven and a half. It was a really good episode. Yeah, we had some good matches, uh, kind of back to the type of matches you were talking about earlier. And then. Um, a lot of good angle stuff, and it was a great night for the NWO. Yeah. All right, so let's head over to that Thursday, uh, February 13th, 1997. This is, of course, moved because of the dog show. I think it's the last year for forever. I think I think I 98. Know. Oh, no, well, we still, maybe it's not until 2000, actually. Yeah, I, I, I feel like 99. Well, like 98, 99, both have it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we got a bit to go. Uh, very dramatic opening. Vince narrates a video package oh. saying the world title is going to be vacated tonight. Shawn Michaels will forfeit. And we find out that the winner of the final four match at In Your House will now be the brand new world champion. This I remember watching this live and be like, what the fuck? Because, I mean, this really wasn't mentioned or hinted at all. It was like out of nowhere. It's like, what yeah. are we talking about? How is Shawn Michaels forfeiting? What is going on? And all of a sudden, we're going to have a new champion, you know, in, in four days. So, right. Crazy stuff. We had opening animation Thursday, Raw Thursday, Thursday, Raw Thursday, all over. Yeah, annoying. Very, that was a surprising, like, misstep. Yeah, yeah. this new package they put together for Thursday, Raw Thursday, but very annoying. I wonder if they did consider it at all moving to Thursday. Uh, I think they have had to have had to consider it. Um, I know I was reading on a recent or I don't know if it's here. Honestly, a place to be podcast. We read some notes from Hercoons from early '96, where Melser gives a an in depth piece about WDF, you know, potentially considering moving away from Nitro, which I thought was interesting given the conversations of modern days, where you know Raw's potentially may move depending on the TV deal. Um, so I was just wondering if, like, around this time, given that they were being beaten consistently. And they hype the name of this so Thursday, Raw Thursday, Thursday, Raw Thursday. They go in two hours. They're going to mix it up. I wonder if they considered it at all doing that on a different night versus head to head. So, all right. All right. Vince McMahon, Jerry the King Lawler, and Jim Ross, <coughs> excuse me, welcome us to Lowell to set up the night ahead. We're in Lowell, Mass. I love the our- way this, uh, this arena looks like it's yeah, small, oh, yeah. but it's a very cool, like, bowl shaped arena. Mm-hmm. Um, ECW was just here in January of 97. This is the Memorial Auditorium, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, they'll do some stuff in Lowell later that's at the Songus Arena, which is where TakeOver recently was. It is a little striking going from Skydome to this. Yes, yes, it's a big change. And then, you know, we're going to be in the Manhattan Center soon. So very different. Um, All right, our opening match is for the Intercontinental title. Rocky Maivia taking on Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Rocky comes out as biggest match easily to date. Uh, the promotion's in flux. A lot of change going on. Vince tells us that Sid will now face Steve Austin tonight instead of getting his title match with Shawn Michaels. Hunter solo, and Vince says he's facing Ahmed Johnson Sunday. He knows that Curtis is not here, and of course, he's done. That's it. A very brief run for Curtis the Butler. Uh, Hunter throws Rocky around. He mocks him. They trade some holds. 
Hunter keeps taking things lightly, slapping Rocky around. He bails out, kind of taking control of the pace. He cranks a chin lock as Ross talks about Sean forfeiting to Gorilla Monsoon, who's going to explain the fallout later tonight. Rocky gets a drop kick, uh, but he misses a charge and hits the post. So Hunter starts to work the arm. After the break, Hunter's in control. Honky Tonk Man is out. Hunter gets a suplex. Honky joins the booth. He shit talks Rocky a bit, says he doesn't fit what Honky's looking for. But Hunter's good, but not great enough. What a burial of Hunter. He goes, he's good, but he's not great enough to be my guy. Um, everyone has looked, uh, everyone he's looked into has let him down so far. So he's he's resetting his search here. He'll he'll figure it out. A lot of grinding offense for Hunter. He gets a sleeper. He's cutting off any comebacks from Rocky. Rocky does come back uh, alive with some punches. Hits a high cross body, but Hunter rolls through and gets a two. Hunter hits a face breaker and a neck breaker for two. He gets two on a pile driver. Hunter gets cocky again. He slaps Rocky around before hitting a superplex, but Rocky kicks out again. Hunter's getting aggravated, loads up a pedigree, but Rocky slumps to the mat. Hunter gets uh, aggravated again. He slowly picks him up, but Rocky sinks into a small package and wins the Intercontinental title to a big-time pop. Um, I liked this. I, I like the way they went about it. Like this is one of the best performances I think Hunter's had where he's been in control. He didn't give a lot. Like he gives in other matches. He actually controlled the pace, got a lot of offense. And I like the story that Rocky was a bit overmatched. Um, I think it started slow, but then they get to a good finish. And I like that Hunter was confident the whole match. It cost him. Um, and they made the upset feel organic. Like he just had a lot of moxie staying alive and found a win. They didn't do like, Goldust comes out and distracts him or I mean Rocky beat him clean. He just he hung around, hung around, hung around and found a way to win. So I liked it. They made the show feel special by having the upset change. Hunter's champions kind of whatever. So I think Rocky winning it is a cool moment. Um we'll see if he can grow into the belt. So I ended up going three stars. I got I like the overall presentation and the treatment and I like that they didn't make it fluky. It's like Rocky legitimately just hung in, hung in, hung in and won the match. It wasn't any interference or bullshit. I went three stars too. I was uh, trending really high on this match to the first commercial break. Um, I thought the arm work was really well done by Hunter. Um, and then once we get back from the commercial break and honkies on commentary, it sort of meandered a little bit. Uh, the finish from when Hunter hits the pile driver onward, I thought was well done. Uh, it's, 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 it's interesting. I think this is one of those things in retrospect that's been interesting to see because, uh, there was two things that were striking to me. One, like the pop is big. Mm -hmm. I don't know when the crowd turns on Rocky, but it wasn't this night at all. Like they're for it. And you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a positive thing, him winning and the WWF kind of shown a good history at this point of yeah. doing these fluke wins. Um, like one, two, three kid we mentioned at the beginning of the show. Um, so, so they do a good job with that. The other thing is uh, from what we've seen, like there's been snippets of Rocky and obviously like he's being pushed well, um, winning at survivor series, like Bret Hart saying, like, I don't think there's anybody that's come along that has as much potential as Rocky. Um, but, but to me, like in watching just the Raws and sprinkling in the other shows, Shotgun and uh -huh. uh, Superstars, like he hasn't been over pushed at all. No, not at all to this point. Um, so, so that's been interesting. I kind of thought like it was more of like, oh, like it, this watching it this time, actually, it felt more like an upset yeah. than in previous viewings. Cause like my thought had been, 
yeah, I mean, like he was pushed, he was he was winning all his matches, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, dominant. So of course, like he beat Hunter, even though they tried to portray it as an upset. But I, I thought it did come off as an upset the way they presented him and the way it worked. Um, so so it was impressive and it, it's kind of cool. I mean, obviously, like this becomes one of the more memorable feuds we'll have on the history of this show. Uh, so really seeing like the first chapter um, right. is fun to watch. And it's so it's so like interesting watching them in this match mm-hmm. now and knowing like three years from now, like it doesn't feel like that's that even long a year from time. now, they're like elevated so much. Like by the summer of ninety-eight, they're completely different. Yeah, you know? yeah. They're different characters, but I, I would say like to me, I use the three year pinpoint because then you can say like, all right, this is like two of the biggest stars right. in the past twenty years or whatever. Yeah. All right, Doc Hendricks comes to the aisle. He interviews Rocky. Rocky's in shock. He says he promises to always give his best, and he shouts out his family. Uh, we get a Final Four ad. They mention the title is now on the line. Mm-hmm. Sonny comes to the ring. She has a yellow rose in her mouth. Um, the crowd is pretty good, actually. Low-key lit. We got two good crowds tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonny pulls up her notes out of her cleavage. as She is the ring announcer for our next match, which is the Headbangers taking on Bob Holly and Aldo Montoya. Uh, Montoya. So a pretty big debut here uh, for the Headbangers on Raw. They'll become a stalwart team for us over the next few years. Um, they, of course, were the Sisters of Love. When we talked about, you know, they had appeared on early shotgun we cover that first shotgun with ryan gray on the excellent uh, adventure series that we do here as well in north south connection uh, we get the m&m slam of the week which is taker tombstoning hunter on the escalator on shotgun i think it's the last shotgun that's in a different location it's a pretty memorable moment i think they were in penn station um so that's wrapping up i think they did six or seven and they take it to the arena uh sunny's flirting during the intros very random holly and montoya we haven't seen either of these guys in forever on raw ever uh holly and mosh kick things off holly has a nice front of offense vince says he's recently returned to action so i don't know if he was hurt or what was going on uh matoya comes in vince defends sean is one of the greats regardless of how you feel about long ear long hair and piercings ross runs down his list of classics and his effort he always puts in holly's back in the ring uh mosh is in the soup with both of them holly finally gets trapped in the wrong corner the headbangers take over vince reveals finally that Shawn michaels has a severe knee injury and uh, it's not a new injury. It's it been building for a while. Sean goes out and gives it his all every night. And the knee finally gave out and he has to have surgery. They don't know the extent of the damage and they may have to retire after the operation. So they were going in heavy here that Sean may be done, not only forfeiting, but this might be it. The headbangers work together to pummel Holly with quick tags, double teams, and some strikes. We get more eulogizing over Sean. King asks if Vince and Ross feel responsible for Sean's injury because they hype him so much and he feels obligated. And Vince says he feels that responsibility due to Sean's insane schedule. And then right after that, he hypes USA Saturday Night lineup. It was quite the twist of uh, <laughs> topics. The headbangers show off uh, some good offense. Aldo um, gets a hot tag, runs through the headbangers, but the headbangers quickly end it with a stage dive. Sonny calls them Mosh and Thrash, not Thrasher. Uh, fine little tag match. The crowd was into it. Aldo and Holly had some fire. Headbangers are a good needed injection of talent. We need a new team in the tag division. I like their double team offense here. They have a unique look. Um, nice win for them. Plenty of time to tell the Michael story as well. So in two and a half, uh, a lot going on in the commentary. And I, I historically remember liking the headbangers. We'll see if that holds up. Yeah, I think I'm pretty historically low on the headbangers. I went one and a half here. I, I thought it was all right, but it wasn't nothing special. Uh, yeah, we haven't seen Holly on Raw since November 18th. 
He must have been uh, hurt, I guess, for a Montoya couple was in the Survivor Series match, but we hadn't seen him on Raw since uh, October 21st. So it'd been a been a while for these mm-hmm. guys. Uh, they dust them off. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought the uh, headbangers finish looked a little dangerous. Like the leg drop wasn't executed great, but uh, looked nasty, kind of the way it went. But but otherwise, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I, anything's better than nothing with the way the tags kind of worked the tag division overall but um i i didn't think this was i mean this was better than their sisters of love oh yeah, yeah. but i want to all right time for the big segment vince yeah. mcmahon and gorilla monsoon are in the ring uh they bring out Shawn michaels to a pop kind of mixed with some booze though mm. uh sean looks a little disheveled as he carry the belt to the ring vince says this is a shock to all the area fans but the run as champion has taken a toll on his body, and he seems to be facing a knee operation, and Vince asks him to talk about it. Sean seems distant and says, it seems like they've done it before, but this time, unfortunately, it's much more serious than the last time. He's never had a doctor look him in the face and say he may never wrestle again, but that's what he got told the other day. Sean says he has time to deal with it. Time has taken his toll on his body. We get loud. We want Sid Chance as he's talking. Vince says he knows Sean is looking forward to facing Sid. We zoom in on one fan that has an HBK sign. Vince credits Sean's crazy schedule. Sean says he hears chance for Sid or Brett, but those guys, they'll have those guys in the future. He wants uh, what he wants for the fans, despite what people think about him. He just wanted the fans to enjoy themselves. He wanted to be the one to provide that enjoyment, whether it's good or bad. But what was almost always uh, important to him was the performance, and the fans never regretted to see him wrestle. Sean says there's a lot of talk about bad attitudes and the belt. But today, one thing that won't revolve around the belt for a long time is Shawn Michaels. He doesn't know where he's at right now. He's going to have everything checked. He may be beyond surgery and being fixed. If he can't perform at a little level, he won't do it. He's not going to go half-assed. He needs to come out and romp and stomp and have fun. The schedule over the last year took a toll on him. He didn't feel like he could say no, and he wanted to do it all. Ride in the Lear Jets and the Limbos, be on all the TV shows, do the auto, autograph sessions, and he did it all. And right now, toughness is real big in the WF, but all he has is sorrow, tears, and emotion. He's got no toughness. And he hands the belt to Gorilla. He says, I'm going to go home now and see what's left for him. In the ring, out of the ring, and over the past several months, he's lost a lot of things, including his smile. And it means a lot to him. He's going to go back, fix himself, and find his smile. We see one fan crying, and Sean says he doesn't care if it's unpopular or someone wants to make fun of him for being emotional, but this is all he wants to do. The last year was the best year of his life, and if that is it, it'll be okay because he got that year as a top guy. He says uh, he has Vince and the fans to thank for it. The crowd finally gets on board. They chair Sean, and Sean says, I'm going to go home now. And Vince the Gorilla hug him. He does one loop around the ring to greet the fans and lumbers off into the Lowell Knights as JR and King discuss his legacy. And the loss of this star player for the WF. Um, you know, this this is a, a super infamous segment. Uh, given the topic and the short notice, I think it's as well executed as it possibly could have been. You know, whether or not it's legit, whether or not Sean really thought he had to retire, or he's just trying to get out of fighting Bret Hart at WrestleMania, like whatever the rationale behind it is, whatever. Um, but in the moment, you know, I think it worked well enough. If you get asked one thing to take it back, maybe you take back the smile line because it co- becomes such a punchline. But on the other hand, it also makes the promo super memorable and infamous. So maybe without it, it doesn't hit as much. I don't know. What do you think overall? I mean, I think it's just disingenuous. Um, <laughs> I think I think I think the fans knew that even in the moment. 
because I mean, I think they, they thought it was an angle because it's not until the end they, they start so cheering him. Stupid. Um, yeah. I mean, they they kind of muster up. To me, like the promo in of itself, it's it's like. I don't know. It's it's just so weird how WWF handles this too, because like I I can't think of any other instance where someone has really seemingly held them hostage in this way, right? Like with this format, because that I, I almost think it's easier if you were there live because the commentary for sure is like so heavy handed, like, like JR constantly saying like nobody's worked longer and done more. I mean, Sean's missed house shows in the past. Right. So it's like, come on, dude. Like, you know, that's bullshit. And King who's like, doesn't praise anybody. That's a phase talking about, well, you know, I would say he'll come back if I was a betting man. It, it just, the way it was presented was so like, it's one thing. I mean, I think it's, I don't know. Like, like what, how do I think? Do I think like if he can walk out there and do that, then I think certainly he could have, I, I don't know how I want to hand, how I'd wanted him to hand. Like if he is legitimately injured, like could he have taken a power bomb and it been a squash for Sid? Right. Or, you know, like he gets attacked in the back. Like, like they do the Ric Flair injury, right? Like he's laid out in the back. You see Bret Hart or, you know, Steve, you know, whoever, just like walking away, you don't see the actual tag. You just see Sean face down, mm-hmm. and then or you know get swide swiped in the knee or whatever. Then he limps. yeah, Austin been clipping knees left and right. So. Yeah, so so he limps out, and Sid you know clips his knee very gingerly, gives him power bomb wins. I I think that's the way to do it. It's just mm-hmm. to me like after what happens at Syracuse, you don't get like that benefit of the doubt and you know i i so i mean the promo of itself it's so rectified by what was going on backstage but but it's just crazy i mean like we're we're six weeks out from wrestlemania you're forfeiting the title um it's it's an interesting thing it's 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 one of those things i would really I, i i honestly don't i think like sean has been more authentic with Montreal and his involvement and what happened, I, I still think there's more like unsuredness and kind of doubt on exactly what his mindset was for this. Like, right. like, you know, like, did he, you know, did he really think his career was over? Was he? That's pretty know? much what he said is that in the moment, his knee was fucked up and they told him he had to get it fixed. And he thought it may be it. I don't know if the company really thought that, I mean, he's back pretty quick. Yeah. Um, like, it's before Mania that he's... I mean, it's not even like he tore his ACL or Achilles, no. right? Like, it's it's, it's yeah. almost... I don't know exactly what the injury is, but it feels like sort of like a meniscus or, you know, something like that. Kind of yeah. Thing. Yeah, he... I mean, he's back... The week before Mania, he's on Raw, yeah. like, doing stuff. So, it's like, yeah, he ends up only being gone for, like, not even a month, it's <laughs> almost a month of the day, probably honestly. Um, so it's it's weird. Uh, you know, I, I guess the only I kind of like what happens over the next week, so I don't know if like I'd want to give that up for Sid squashing Sean here, but um, I think one way they could have done it is Sean's not even on 
did a say he's home and he left the belt with Gorilla and that's it. Yeah, maybe, it, that, maybe that's better. It's very interesting that WWF gives him this moment. Yeah. And then the way they present it. That's what makes me think they thought he may be done. So they wanted to give him like a, a farewell. Like that's all I can think of is that they really thought there's a chance. But then why would they say like with both Lawler and Brett coming up, like, you know, he'll be back. I mean, Brett, I think was going to say whatever. Cause yeah, I think they would just try to pump him up. Like, oh, Sean will never do that. But like, they must've thought at least as a possibility. So maybe they gave him the moment and part of it too, is a rating thing, right? They knew they, knew they were, they knew they were unopposed. You know, it's a little bit sensationalistic, so why not just give it a shot and see where it goes? But yeah, well. I, I think I think your path or just having him not be there would have been a little bit better received. Um, just say he's home, and he handed the belt over to the office before he left, and it's going to be up for grabs on Sunday. But I think the squash would have been fine too. Sit squashes him. Yeah, it's just it's just tough to uh, to. I mean, because I don't think they really did that either. Like, like they brought so much real life into this angle yeah. that it's tough to disassociate both of them. And then it's like, well, you know, from what I know, like, <laughs> once again, you get into a 26-year-old feud, like, are you a Sean guy or are you a Brett guy? Right. Um, which it's... You know, I I land clearly on one side of that, so it's it's it it just it it, it felt very. It, it's just odd. I mean, I, I again, I think there's. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess with the doctors and stuff like that, it'd be interesting to hear like what diagnosis they had. Like, I mean, maybe some doctor did tell him that, or he got a consultation that said that. It could have been a panic thing. Like they were like, "Fuck, we can't have the belt." Like this is a good opportunity to get it off them and and use Final Four to get get things straightened out or whatever. But yeah, I mean, as we know, like Daniel Bryan, there's definitely different opinions on stuff like that, like whether somebody should be cleared or not. Well, I think it's like a week later they're already. We'll cover it, I guess, in our next raw. But I, I think they're already talking about how he doesn't need surgery. Like, yeah, he was reexamined, and they think they could rehab it. So, who knows. Um, Crazy. Maybe our correspondent Jonathan Black can dig up some info yeah. for us. We can cover. We got yeah, some I, I didn't, coming up. Uh, I'd be interested. I, I know I have the torches, but I didn't uh, read them before. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's obviously as we're going through this is one of the more memorable interviews that we'll talk about. Um, I th- I think that's the best thing you could say though. Like it's memorable, right? Yeah, like, it's, you know, it's, it's an infamous what, segment that mm-hmm. you know. Lost my smile. Everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. All right. So Vince Ross and King talk about losing Sean. They hope he'll be back someday. We're going to pick up the pace a little bit with our next match. The Undertaker taking on Savio Vega. The nation march out flanking Savio. PG-13's hyping him up. He still has his old gear on. Hasn't changed yet. <laughs> uh, they talk about Savio joining the crew at MSG. Undertaker slowly heads to the ring to a big pop. Of course, he had his issues with the nation last week, him and Ahmed. Uh, after a break, Taker slugging away at Savio, tries to escape. Taker's pouring it on. Vince recaps the night that we've seen so far. Savio gets a back elbow. Taker hits a big boot. Taker drops a leg for two as King's making Michael Jackson jokes. Taker hits a top rope axe handle. JR runs down some upcoming shows. He hypes tickets for In Your House, which apparently Chattanooga has not sold out yet. Yeah. Benzani's got to get out there. Uh, Savio kicks low to cut Taker off. He has three spin heel kicks for a near fall. Savio clubs away some more. Goes to a nerve hold. Vince says, Sid is not happy with Gorilla's decision about in your house because he got the shaft out of all this, which he did. Uh, King thinks Sid would have won tonight as well. 
Savio meanders through more offense. Ross says, people in the deep south know what the nation is all about. There's showdown confrontations coming in those cities. Savio chokes and slugs away, but the crowd is rallying Undertaker, who comes hammering back but eats a spin heel kick. Savio goes back to a nerve hold. He's pouring it on until Taker comes back with a flying clothesline. Taker hits another clothesline and a choke slam and gets a clean win on Savio. Undertaker clears out the nation after the match. Farouk and Crush come in. They swarm him over. Ahmed makes a save, and him and Taker clear the ring as the crowd pretty, goes pretty crazy for the two of them. Um, Ahmed has sneakily gotten back super over, I feel like, over the last couple of weeks here. Um, picked up the pace again. About what you expect. I mean, Savio's slow offense, nerve holds, chokes, blah, blah, blah. I like Taker's burst of energy. Um, you know, fine idea. Uh, Taker sold a lot to, to get over the NOD, but him you know, selling right before the big title match. Maybe he should have had more of a layup type of win to set up Final Four. Uh, but the crowd is so into him. I like the clean wins. I went two and a quarter. I mean, it was fine. But again, nothing stand out. When you got Savio in there, you're not going to get anything too crazy. Yeah. So uh, WWF hadn't been to Chattanooga since January of 1993. So four years. Not a very hot market for them. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think you take that both ways. Like you could say they've been starved, but. Um, Yeah, I I thought this was a weird match to book, honestly. Um, This whole Undertaker versus Nation of Domination mini feud that we get here, I think, is forgotten. Where we had the tag match the week before, we have this match, and then he has a Farouk match upcoming. Um, But I thought this was a weird match to book because you got a newly turned member of the Nation of Domination. I mean, Savio is never you know, like a world title contender, but he's kind of been again on that, uh, I you know, second right. level. Uh, so for him to be newly heel and now he has to job, uh, it was, it was a little suspect here as the match itself. I'm just going to get another fucking nation DQ though. Like I was waiting for crush yeah. to come in. It's yeah. Undertaker. It's, I mean, I think it's like, you kind of almost let it go. If he lost cleans like Goldust or Marrow, like I'd say, okay, well now this is weird, but like, I don't know. Taker beating him clean to me is like another well, level up. I don't know why he couldn't uh, beat up his uh, his buddy Crush. Yeah, uh, that would have been. My They're both useless there. to me, so I'm fine with it. Okay. Um, the nation to me is like I like that they're adding bodies. You know, I like the idea of Savio turning because he needed something, but it's like it's not exactly a strong stable right now. Like Savio and Crush are not strong guys are lack they're really high level lackeys like oh, it's I'm, yeah i mean i'm out on the nation as i've talked about i'm yeah i'm very out on the feud i just think like farouk looks so much worse than he did even like a year or two ago like he gets old almost overnight and crush i mean he was awesome in ecw in 94 so yeah it's a quick dip mm-hmm. so uh, i went two and a quarter i mean it was fine uh raw gets so this Raw from this point forward gets mm-hmm. very nitroous where they kind of showcase almost all their big stars. Yes. Like the only stars I think of any like consequence that we don't get on this Raw is Mankind and Goldust. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about Goldust. He's been pretty jobberific lately right. too. Um, so so it's, it's kind of weird. Like we get four kind of boom, boom, boom matches here. Uh, this this kicks them off. This this got a little more time, but the next three are shorter. Yeah, I mean, I think it's showing you. We've talked about the evolving, you know, m- mentality of WF and Raw. We're going two hours. We're going to be in bigger arenas soon. We're going to be live. 
And we're going to start putting the stars every week. I mean, that was something we've been hammering all through 96 yeah. is that you may see Sean once out of every four tapings or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Right. right. Um, or Austin. And he was on more than that. But most most guys you'd see every other week or every three weeks. Now it's going to be, you know, like Nitro, you're going to get the top dogs every week in storylines playing out. So. Um, you could tell another philosophy change. All right, Vince types up Final Four, presented by Western Union. And then we go back to the ring for Psycho Sid versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Big stars, like you said. Austin's out immediately after the break. Doc talks to Gorilla backstage. He explains his decision for Final Four, that it's for the world title, and he tried to be fair to everyone. But Doc says, what about Sid? And Gorilla says, Sid will get his title match next week on Raw in Nashville against the winner of Final Four. So Sid does get his come up. Not going to get screwed. Just has to wait a week. Uh, Sid powers out as Vince runs down all the possibilities for Raw. It could be Sid versus Sean. I mean, uh, Brett. Sid versus Austin. Take or Vader. Austin attacks with the bell. Hammers away. Sid punches back into it. King says he thinks this will be the match we see next week. Austin's going to win the title, and we're going to have a rematch with him and Sid. Austin's all fired up. He kicks low in place with the crowd. He's pouring it on. The crowd is chanting for him, which is crazy because they were all in Sid before. On Sid before during the Sean segment. Now they're on Austin against him. Uh, Austin shoves Sid into the post. Works over Sid in the ring, missing some strikes and a front face lock. Austin tries a sharpshooter. Sid kicks through it, heats up, hits a big boot, but in comes Bret Hart. He unloads on Austin to draw the bell for the DQ. Sid is not happy. They argue and brawl as Austin just leaves. Um, not much here. It was it was a quick match, a weak finish. But again, it's all about selling in your house in Raw next week at this point on this show. It's got a big Tuesday in Texas vibe at this point where they're just trying to implore you to do all you can to, to buy Final Four. And tune in next week to see the fallout. So I went two stars. Definitely a disappointing match. Yeah, I went two stars too. It goes very short. There's more Austin 316 signs in the crowd. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, with the finish here, it's one of those weird things where it's like, on one hand, it's cool like that there's action and people hating each other. And, I mean, Austin and Brett brawling is, is always entertaining. And, um I like Sid and Brett getting involved too. Like Sid just, you know, was pissed that he came out. But the flip side of that is it feels like now that we're having interesting matches, the last few have been derailed by these yes. quick run-in finishes. So it's almost like, all right, let's anticipate that. Um, I think that changes, uh, but I'm interested to see that because this, this is a, I mean, this, this was very like right on the edge for me of, you know, being a little bit bait and switchy. Like it wasn't enough. It was just enough of a match to where like, all right, he could do the run in the same happens in the main event as we'll get to. Yeah. All right. Vader and Paul Barrow backstage. Vader hypes himself up for Sunday saying he knows uh, how he beat Undertaker and Bret Hart. It whipped Austin's butt the past six weeks. Well, within the past six weeks. So big, big month and a half for Vader. Uh, Vince, Ross, and King reset. King is doing a Western Union for Valentine's Day. He's sending his mom money so she could buy him a present. King flubs and says Thanksgiving. Uh, it was a good attempt to do it a live plug for Western Union, but they, they definitely fuck it up. Do you uh, ever do that? Are you old enough? You're a little bit older than me. Do you ever to, have to send a, like a Western Union or get one? So I never sent one or received one, but when I worked at Stop and Shop in high school, that was I worked at the service desk for a while, and that was like a big thing I had to do was send the Western Unions for people. I hate the worst thing would be you're working to like ten, like nine forty five. A motherfucker would come in with a Western Union because it was such a process. Like they had to fill out all the form, the duplicate copy, you had to put it through the fax thing or whatever. Like take the money it was 
it was a whole friggin' ordeal. So it, that was like the worst. Someone would come in late with the friggin' Western Union. I never had to do it though. Um, it's interesting. Like it's the only thing like that I can think of where I've had to like wire money is when I bought a house. Like, you know, like, like anything besides like a, yeah, like a cashier's check. Like I've yeah, done that, like yeah. a bank check. But right. I never actually had no a Western Union money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Vince takes us back to earlier. We live Sean's comments. And then we head back to the ring for a big tag match. It's Farouk and Crush challenging yeah. the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Trying to make this division a little more competitive, it seems. PG-13 wraps the nation out, followed by Bulldog and Owen. They seem to be in good spirits. Maybe, uh, Issues behind them, we'll see. Owen and Crush start off. Owen uses his speed. Crush pancakes them, press slams them hard to the map. The Bulldog is in. Farouk wants to tag. We reset as we go to break. When we come back, Crush is hitting a nice pile driver for two on Bulldog. Who then gets dumped outside. Farouk throws him into the steps. Back inside, Farouk tags in and keeps uh, slugging away. Ross makes a Bill Parcells joke. Vince says Parcells is not very popular in New England right now. Bulldog catches Farouk with his head down. Spikes him to the mat. We see Bret Hart watching the match backstage. He says, Shawn Michaels' announcement was sad. It's a loss for everybody. You can't deny his work ethic, and it's a shock. Bret doesn't think it's over, though. He thinks he'll be back, and his next mm-hmm. dream is to come back and compete again. And when his knee is fixed, Bret wants to wrestle him one more time. Bret then talks about Final Four and his big match tonight. Crush works the back, cuts off a comeback with a boot, tags Farouk, who stomps away. Farouk blocks a Bulldog tag. Crush heads in with a body scissors. Vince plugs La Femme Nikita as the crowd is trying to rally Bulldog, who breaks a Farouk bear hug with a belly-to-belly, but Crush blocks the tag. Uh, they keep control through a disallowed blind tag. Crush and Bulldog get a double clothesline. Owen gets a hot tag finally. Cuts through both guys, including a missile drop kick on Crush for two. Things break down. Owen tweaks his knee on a bump to the floor, and he just collapses and gets counted out to retain the titles. The Nation beat down Bulldog after as Owen is slow to save because of his knee. Bulldog recovers. He helps Owen walk back, but Bulldog stops. Uh, I'm sorry, Owen stops to get the slammies. So, again, what you would expect in a match controlled by Crush and Farouk. Uh, Bulldog and Owen kind of work the face roll as they're in flux, but the downside is how it limits their ability to drive the match. So we're at a much slower pace with Farouk and Crush. Um, the stakes at least felt legit, like as the Nation had a shot to win the belts with everything going on. Uh, and Bulldog at Owen's issue, so it wasn't out of the realm. We've already seen one title change tonight, or two technically. Um, good finish with Owen's uh, tricks to save the titles behind Bulldog's back. So, two and a half stars. I went to Vince, even mentions that he says, like, the icy belt changes and mm. the world title was forfeited. A uh, couple things here. Um, one, I thought it was funny that you know, Michael's with the knee injury and that's what Owen's faking <laughs> when he goes to the back. So that's, a, uh, but, um, he's been doing that. Uh, them working as face in peril is odd. I mean, they were forced to in this match mm-hmm. and I'll say like Farouk and crush as number one contenders doesn't really come out of nowhere because if you look at superstars and shotgun they tagged and won a few matches they beat up on the god ones um so i i kind of see that the yeah. biggest problem i had with this match was uh and and i'll say like i mean crush wasn't great but i thought he was better than he had been the past couple of weeks he was he was passable here um the biggest problem i have in this match is clarence mason like for him to be the manager of both teams, right? 
he was such a non-factor. He just stands in between PG-13, mm-hmm. and there's, like, no interaction. Like, like no, not even a reference of it. It's weird. Yeah, Owen and Bulldog don't acknowledge him or be like, hey, why are you over there? He doesn't get involved in any way. He did <laughs> It's it's like wait a minute, <laughs> have we just forgot that he's like managing, you know, a little bit of conflictedness or something? I mean, anything. Like it was it was so bizarre just to see him standing down there and like clapping when the Nation of Domination at points are on offense and Owen and Bulldog are kind of ignore don't don't acknowledge it. Like I said, so so two stars. I I thought this probably could have been built up more Mm -hmm. if they would have had more like a dilemma with Mason. Um, So I thought that was a missed opportunity. A lot of this night feels weird. It's like they, they were so very scrambled, shaken up and scrambled. And like, they're like, all right, let's just get through the show and get to final four. Yeah. Uh, we'll hype the shit out of it. That's it. Feels like yes, it's not very well structured. Yeah, a lot of. I mean, a lot of the show does feel like, hey, we're going to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Which makes you think the Sean thing really came out of nowhere for them because of the way this is presented so on the fly. We talked about it though. Like I think this whole bridge between now and when mm-hmm. they do the war zone, Raw's war, like it feels like that. Like there's a lot yeah. of moving parts. Russo coming into more prominence mm-hmm. on the booking side, so there, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of it, it's it's a, it's a very interesting time frame. Like I, I think it, you know, from like twenty twenty three eyes, it's not unlike what you saw leading into All In and All Out at AEW. Mm-hmm. Like like backstage, there's so much going on. There's a lot of flux and stuff like that, and it's like, what's the TV gonna look like? Right. And then once something gets removed, which in this case is Shawn Michaels, you know, it's going to be off TV for a little bit. Like, do things get stabilized? Mm-hmm. Do they settle down a little bit? And it's, it's, it's a very, very intriguing thing to digest. It's again, I, I, to me, like this time frame, it's, it's, it's more interesting to process than a lot of time the actual output of the show. The output of the shows are okay. Right. And, um, but just what's what's happening, everything's so in flux. It's it's very fun to look and digest and evaluate. Well we talked about it too. I mean, in the end of the at the end of the day, Sean's injury opens the path for Austin versus Brett, which is yeah. you know the greatest right. match in company history. So it's like right. we were real close to not getting that match. It's not like it was planned. Um so all right, main event time. Speaking of Brett, he's out here to take on Vader. Uh, Vader's out with Paul Bearer. Brett hits the ring to a pop, gives the sunglasses to a little girl. That mistake, mistakes her for a boy. <laughs> uh, Taker appears in the aisle. He's holding Doc by the collar and says he gets no respect anymore, but in four days he'll win the world title. I kind of like how every guy in the Final Four got like a little promo throughout the night as well to hype themselves. Uh, Vader attacks, he dumps Brett outside. Austin attacks him as we go to break. We get the Western Union rewind, big Western Union night. Rocky beats uh, Hunter earlier. Back to action, Vader's pounding on Brett with headbutts and punches and a hard clothesline. Brett slugs his way back into things, gets a Russian leg sweep, slams Vader, tries a sharpshooter. Vader kicks out of it. Brett gets a nice back suplex and a middle rope elbow. He dodges a Vader splash. He twists into the sharpshooter, but Vader gets to the ropes. Austin is up in the balcony, and Brett looks at him, allowing Vader to club him from behind and try the moonsault. But Brett moves and covers clean for the win as Austin barks and teases jumping the balcony. This was rushed uh, tight on time, of course, uh, more focused on the Final Four hype, which I guess makes sense. 
But this was a pay-per-view match with a proper structure and giving give these guys the time they need. Uh, but this is what we get. It's a weak finish too. Like I think for once, a four-way brawl, Schmaz would have been perfect because Vader just hyped up this hot run he's on, six weeks of dominance, and he loses to Brett Clean on, on a Mr. Moonsault. Like made no sense at all. Um, I thought he looked completely weak now going into Final Four. There was yeah. no need for this match given the time. Just like I would have just had either this or Austin Sid and just given yeah. that whatever match stuck around, give them more time and yeah. then have a big brawl with all four guys. Like, all I right. think that that's the way to go. Um, there was no need for this at all. So I went up two and a half. I appreciate that they tried to load the card up with big star matches on the free night. They, they tried to roll it out, but the timing made this, this would be something they learned too, how to time a two hour show live. Like they haven't had to do it much. Uh-huh. So obviously they, Ran out of time and had a rush, but um, this night just felt like the pieces are continuing to come together, but they don't know quite how to use them. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, <laughs> this is where you have run-ins and then you get a I actually have a finish, but it's it's more nonsensical than if they'd have done a non-finish. Yeah, because you mentioned it like this is a pay-per-view quality match, and now it's going to take a lot to get to that because I mean Vader gets pinned cleanly even actually brett overcomes the odds because austin's distracting him Mm -hmm. uh so it makes vader look a little worse in retrospect and it's such a short match it's a four you know four minute match so it's not what they did in the four minutes was fun but uh really rushed really unfortunate and very rushed so i I went two and a quarter um but um overall i i I don't know. Like, like I'm. I guess I'm hyped for the four way. Like, I think they did okay with that. But just again, with the way everything was presented, it feels like. Well, I don't think Vader's winning. Obviously, right. um, but that was already a long shot anyway. I guess so. I, I guess that leads us down to three. I think the pivot point is at this point. How well do we think they presented Austin as a potential winner? Not well. I don't. Th- I think it's really Austin yeah. or, or Taker or Brett or the yeah. Because I, I think Austin's the main like like pivot on right. how, how the booking overall. Because you know if he vader's whatever but like austin's been involved but yeah i would still i would have considered it a major upset because even his big win which is the rumble is presented as tainted yeah Yeah. so um all right a couple of quick notes from our buddy jonathan black uh before we wrap raw so he says i've been trying to piece together the original plan for mania since you guys mentioned them going away from bulldog versus austin and this is what i've gathered originally was supposed to be bulldog versus austin and mankind versus mark marrow Probably Owen and Vader as well, if I had to guess. However, that could change because Mankind did not want to work with Mero because he was mad that he made more money than him. This comes directly from Mankind's first, uh, Foley's first book. When the plans changed, I believe they were going to do Bulldog versus Owen and Mankind versus Vader in a hardcore match, which is also from Foley's book. Which I remember that talk, that they were yeah. trying to get the approval to do like a death match, like a Japanese-style exploding death match. That, they've, that's been using, they were... they've been using the chair to knock right. each other, so... Yeah, so yeah. that was the that was the rumor then too, um, and Austin was going to beat Mero in a throwaway win. If Terrible. Sean hadn't lost his smile, it would have been interesting to see if they had pivoted because Mero 
uh, getting hurt in February, which we haven't covered in, you know, he's still around for us, so we'll get there. But my guess is it could have been an IC title match between Austin and Rocky, with Rocky winning by DQ. If Mero had stayed healthy, I think it could have been him and Rocky at Mania, which I do agree with because they were starting to heal Mero a little bit with Rocky saving Sable. So I think we were headed toward Mero. I think we we're headed toward Mero beating Rocky at Mania before he got hurt. Um, I don't necessarily, that's my commentary. Back to Jonathan. I don't necessarily think Bulldog and Owen would have dropped the belts, but instead maybe like Ray and Eddie have the tag champions face each other. But I do think at this time they were not going to know, they were no longer going to do Bulldog versus Austin. It would explain why that angle suddenly feels dropped. It's amazing to think that Sean's smile essentially affected three to four WrestleMania matches. He also mentions, of course, that there was a plan for uh, Dennis Rodman to accompany Goldust to the ring at WrestleMania. WCW got word about it and threw out way more money for him to go to WCW, which ends up being a very long partnership, a major cog in, in WCW. So, um, so I think this, you know, it's just crazy to think how they have this superstar in Austin on the rise and there's nowhere that he fits right now. Yeah. He, he's the, he's the issue. Like with Brett, I mean, with Sean going away, you get Austin mm-hmm. and Brett, which we talked about. So that's a plus. I think everything else is a negative, which, again, like, if you look at that card presented, like, if you could have had Owen versus Bulldog, if you could have had Vader versus Mankind. Right. And they and still could have done that, even with the Sean thing. I mean, Well, I'm saying, and then if yeah. you still had the Sean versus Brett ladder match or whatever, like, I, I think at this point, like, you know, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think any match is equaling Austin versus Brett. But let's just say, like, Brett versus Sean are able to have, like, a four-and-a-half-star ladder match. Then you have all that underneath. Maybe a better show. But you can still have it underneath, um, even with Austin Brett. There's no reason they had to do the tag title match. You could have still done Bulldog versus Owen, and you could have still done Vader versus Mankind. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see, like, why we think they go away from that. Because they're all in the same match anyway. You just split that tag match into two seconds. Yeah, I don't know why they go away from that. Yeah, I think they didn't want to do the exploding match, and they kind of placated fully by saying, yeah, you yeah, guys go I mean, for the tag titles. Just have them fight each other. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get to our awards, and then we'll wrap things up. Uh, so match of the night, I had Rocky and Helmsley. Yep. Moment. I mean, I wish Sean losing a smile. <laughs> Good or bad, it's the most infamous. Yeah, that's yeah. the most memorable moment. Uh, MVP was tough. I, I, I went Austin. I don't know. When I'm in doubt, I go Austin. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. Like, I don't know who else really shined on this night. No. Um, all right. Uh, debuts are the headbangers, dropped angles. I put Michael Sid. I mean, it pretty much is done. <laughs> They're done as rivals. So I had a couple others. Uh, well, when are we going to officially put Bulldog off? I think here. I think they're done. I mean, they don't interact at all on the show. Okay. So Austin Bulldog. Then uh, Butler Curtis Hughes. Yeah. See ya. Nice knowing you. And then one we haven't talked about, but it may have been actually last week's, but for sure this week because he wasn't out there and he doesn't get mentioned again. Jose Lothario. Yeah, he's just gone. Yeah, adios to him. Like after after Sean, you know, <laughs> won the belt at Rumble for the memory of Pete or whatever, he's – uh. He's gone in an afterthought. So, uh, and I think that shows. Like, I mean, like us, we just ran down four things, and like, yeah, there's stuff Big happening, yeah. like with Butler, <laughs> Curtis Hughes, but 
that's that's four kind of left turns on different angles and stuff that have changed so, a All lot right. of things. I did note uh, I counted the losing my smiles of Sean Hissy fit. <laughs> we'll put that down. <laughs> yeah. Um so I went six and a half out of ten. I mean I, I think it had promised to be better. But I think it's kind of disappointing. I mean, it's good we saw the stars. Losing their smile is infamous. The Rocky title change is a big moment. But otherwise, like, it just it felt like, again, they had pieces lined up that they couldn't complete the puzzle. Yeah, a little, little tough show to rank for me. I, I six out of ten. I, I think it's a, a good enough show to watch, yeah, and yeah. it's a fun one to go back on. But, you know, not a lot of, like, great in-ring action. I mean, we did get a good match, which is actually pretty rare for Raw. Right. Um, so there's that. There is a moment, you know, like Rocky winning the title is a nice moment too. Mm-hmm. So there is two moments, but just the Sean smile is more infamous, obviously. Yeah. So. And then the big matches. It's good they stock stack the card up, but yeah, it all kind of misses. Right. Uh, all right, combo awards. Uh, Nitro, obviously the best show. I did go with. I, I think Rocky Hunter was the better match of, of them and Ray and Regal when you factor in the stakes and the title change. I mean, I had them both at three stars. Same. Yeah. Uh, Best moment, though, is, I don't know, as infamous as the smile was, like Bischoff torturing Anderson is just as infamous and it's way better. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think long term for booking, it is. So, yeah. That's going to be an upset. Yeah, but it's so much better. Like, if you had to watch one of those right now, you're you're watching. You don't have to sell it to me, but you're watching the NWO torturing Randy all day. Um, Home with the babies. Yeah. (laughs) The kiddos, my kiddies want to watch their dad in a real fight. <laughs> um, better commentary was easily Nitro. Yeah, I, I'll say uh, for commentary, like Bobby, I don't, I think like Piper's helping Bobby because mm-hmm. like he he's doing better. He's yeah. actually doing better now than when the NWO angle first started. So yeah, he was good, and I mean the Bischoff Larry segment was awesome too. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, uh, star of the night was Bischoff. Yeah. And a ratings winner, Nitro. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's kind of unfair to compare, but uh, from what I have on the uh, the Pro Wrestling Fandom Wiki page, it says that that Raw got a 2.3, which is down from a 2.6 the previous Monday. And uh, Nitro, big rating here, unopposed, so a little unfair. It got a 3.8, but uh, just to let you know... So they definitely got some turnover. Let me double check. The uh, 3.8 is the highest rating Nitro had uh, since September 2nd, which was the big one where Giant turns heel, and that also ran unopposed with the U.S. Open. So, they, I mean, they cap they capitalize when they yeah. get a you know a free night. And they do a good job hyping Super Bowl. Somebody yeah. that got some converts. Yep. Um, all right, so that'll do it. We'll be back in a couple weeks, and we'll be covering In Your House Final Four. So that'll be fun to dive into, see how that match holds up in the rest of the card with all the stuff in flux. Check out everything we have to offer the North South Connection. We have this video feed if you're watching us on YouTube. Subscribe, leave a comment, and share. And then also, uh, of course, our audio is our flagship over on any podcast application we do have content that's exclusive to both we do have simulcast stuff like this show but there is audio only this video only so be sure to subscribe to both so you don't miss a thing follow us on social media as well until then smell the napalm we'll talk to you in
Yeah.